0: All right. Thank you, Pastor Anna, for reading that. Thank you, Pastor Jordan, for giving us that word. Uh, I'm Raul Perez. i Senior Associate Pastor here at Bethany North, uh, and I'm excited because uh, to, today we're going to start a four-part series called Good Rain. Good Rain is going to focus on the kingdom of God, our citizenship in heaven, and Jesus as the right and true king of that nation we would have called this series Jesus is King, but uh we thought we might have uh run into some copyright issues with Kanye West, so um today's sermon's entitled Our Hope Has a Home. Why are we delving into this now in this very tenuous time? It's because it's nearly here, the most important election of our nation's here uh our nation's uh History, as we've heard many, many times, and the choices have led to church splits, to family feuds, marital strains, mudslinging, murder, carnage of all kinds, and the real possibility of a modern-day civil war. Gun sales have had this historic spike since March till now of three million guns sold over the amount that would normally be sold, we're arming ourselves. And it seems we might be living in a moment where we could literally watch America split apart. My question is, why does the body of Christ seem to be splitting too? It would stand to reason why non-believers are being uprooted and torn apart in this time. Their hope has no home. They're putting their hope on the election of going one way or the other or a movement going one way or the other and it causing them to be like a ship being tossed on a raging sea. But us, the body of, uh, the body of Christ, why are we being tossed this way and that? Why are we tearing ourselves asunder? We are not like the world. Our hope has a home. Our hope even has a name, it's Jesus Christ. And this is what our hope, Jesus, prayed for us in John 17 when he prayed to his father and he was praying about his disciples, us. He says this, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Our desire for you during the weeks ahead, you citizens of the kingdom of God, is that whatever your national politics are, that we can declare this together, that our love, our community, our fellowship in the body of Christ takes precedence over our personal political preferences in this world. Relationship trumps righteousness. If Jesus is king, then that means that our collective soul allegiance is to him. Our duty is to submit to God's good reign and make that reign visible in our life together. It's like that old hymn. The world will know we are Christians by our love, our unbroken fellowship, and worship to the one true king. I'd like to pray. Uh, Yesterday uh, was the end of Yom Kippur, which is the annual festival of humility and repentance in the Jewish faith. So it seems appropriate to enter into this time together with a moment of repentant prayer to our king. I would invite you wherever you are in your home, wherever you're watching this, to kneel with me as we pray. Let's kneel and pray. Heavenly Father, I pray to your son, Jesus, the true king, and I pray repentance. I repent on behalf of myself for not being bolder to speak out, to speak up about who your son is in season or out of season so that many can hear the word and some may be saved. I repent, Lord. Father God, I, I pray on behalf of the pastors and leaders in this church and at all churches, I pray and ask your forgiveness that we have not had the courage to speak up in a time where it is most needed. The courage to, to pray and, uh, and to preach and to open your word to the world. I repent on our behalf, Lord. And Lord, I pray and repent on behalf of the believers here that are that are kneeling in front of you wherever they are. Father God, I pray and ask that you would forgive them for the things that they have done and things that they have left undone. And I pray that, Lord, as repentant hearts come to you, you would forgive and you would guide us in the duty that we have as your citizens in this world, I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. As I said, today's sermon title is Our Hope Has a Home. And our home is in King Jesus. And wherever our hope is, our allegiance and our worship follow. So this is our main point. Where our allegiance is, so also our hearts live. And we can't worship two kings. Where our allegiance is, so also our hearts live And we can't worship two kings. I got three points here today per usual. And this is what they are. Recognizing the true king, resisting false idols, and raising up true worship. Let's start by that, just recognizing the true king. How do we recognize the true king in this world? Well, our story is very interesting because... Uh, Pontius Pilate, the governor, whom Jesus has been brought to, to be judged and sentenced to death, he asks this very intriguing cra- question. He says, what is truth? What is truth? Surely he's, he, he's trying to pigeonhole Jesus. He decides to interview him at the behest of the Jews and he, and he asks him a, a bunch of questions. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you truly a king? Do you have a kingdom? And when Jesus starts talking about his reign and truth, it irks Pilate. And so surely he's mocking him when he asks him, what is truth? And it hangs out there. It doesn't get resolved. And it even hangs out there for us today. What is truth? How do we recognize it? Federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They study genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. And then when they see the bogus money, they recognize it. So they actually spend time touching, smelling, seeing, and even hearing because real money made out of cotton has a certain sound over false money. So literally it is a, it is an experiential thing to identify what is truth. First John, the first four verses in the letter of of first John says it this way, says it beautifully. That which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched this. We proclaim concerning the word of life, the life appeared. We have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what you have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What do we see John doing here? Touch, smell, see, hear, speak? John tells us we recognize the Son of God uh, based on what we can touch and smell and see and hear. So recognizing the true King is experiential. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Because recognizing King Jesus is truly a heart matter. The more our hearts are turned over to Jesus... The more our senses are transformed to experience and recognize King Jesus and those we treat with love. Do you remember the parable in Matthew 25, where the king judges the sheep and the goats? The, the sheep on his right uh, he considers are good. and the goats on his left, he considers are bad, but why? Well, the sheep have recognized those who are hungry, thirsty. A stranger, naked, sick, and in prison, and they served them. Unbeknownst to the sheep, by serving them, they're serving the king. They recognize something, and don't miss this, hear this, they recognize something that many miss, and John is trying to get us to understand. Love and truth are not a, simply a concept. They are a person. Oh! oh what did he say? He just said love and truth, they're not a concept. What do you say? He said they're a person, yo? They're a person. Can you believe that? That that is I am right before you. Love and truth are not something we think about, something that's put into our head in school. It is a person that we experience, and when we meet this person, the great I am, we have met love. We have experienced truth. Pilate has the wrong question. His question is, what is truth? His question should have been, who is truth? Because truth is not a concept. It is a person. And his name is Jesus. And this is what he said about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's why only the pure in heart will recognize Jesus as king. Because they have to have the spirit of God in them to help them believe that these things Are a person, that they are Jesus. And Jesus is found when his disciples love one another. Recently, my house church, uh, Jordan Conrad's birthday was coming up, and she was sharing, as many of us have been experiencing, this feeling of isolation, this feeling of loneliness. And so her birthday happened to be on a Sunday during the day, the time that we meet. So we secretly, quietly, all banded together and came up with this plan. And at 1030 on Sunday, we showed up in her front yard while she was logging on to house church. (laughs) And then she got a knock at the door and she came out and surprise, happy birthday, Jordan. We, all the, we, we brought gifts, a lot of handmade gifts from the kids, showered her with love, and we had a special opportunity to tell her why we love her. And not only that, we got to partake in communion together on her birthday. This, this special opportunity to bind us together through the body and blood of Christ and Christ getting to do that mysterious thing that Christ does, reign over us. And reign over her on her birthday. So we not only blessed her, I know she blessed us and has blessed us continuously with her life. Our hope has a home in Jesus. But what if there's something in the way? What if our hope is in other things? Well, we call those idols. And we need to do the work of resisting false idols. I know seeing that word kind of conjures up this image of little wooden or plastic figurines up on a mantle that we worship or pray to. I mean, if that's you, I would say, take those, throw them in the trash because we worship the living God. Amen. All right. We don't worship these little things, these little, little little figurines, right? No, but for many of us, we don't do that, right? So we might be tempted to think that we don't have idols. Well, I beg to differ. And that's the mastery of the evil one the father of lies, to covertly get us to put our hope in random things and not know it or not be able to acknowledge it. But here's, here's what I want to do, just a little, almost a little game. Would you finish these sentences? Life has meaning if. Life only has meaning if. Here's the second question, second sentence to finish. I only have worth if. I only have worth if. Well, while you're finishing that sentence, getting yours put together, I'll give you one of mine. I only have worth if I'm respected and have authority. I grew up with a false belief that if I earned people's respect and I had authority in all manners of life then I was lovable. That's when I would be lovable. It was only through an experience of healing that I realized that this was not true, and not only that, that it was an idol in me. I came to know that God loves me unconditionally, and I experience his love more and more readily when I reduce who I am, and I let myself be filled with Jesus' spirit. My desire for others' respect and authority in life is an idol, and it means that I have a problem with control because I want to take back those things. I want to do that which makes me feel like I am lovable. But here it is. I do that because truly my need is that I want to be unconditionally loved. That's my need. And I just tried to fill that with idols. Anything we put our hope in is, that is not King Jesus, this is an idol. Our allegiance follows our hope. We hope these things will save us, give us purpose, identity, fulfillment. And they may even, these things may even promise it. But I tell you the truth that only the author of life, King Jesus, can make good on these promises. Nothing else can. Where our allegiance is, so also our hearts live, and we can't worship two kings lest we are torn apart. So here's the, here's, here's another way to put it. Who is on the throne of your heart? Who is on the throne of your heart? Tim Keller provides this, uh, this list of uh, idolatries, and I'm going to read the whole list to you right now. So if you're just kind of listening in, you're not looking at the screen, come, come look at the screen right now and read this with me. Life only has meaning if I only have worth if, if I have power and influence over others, if I am loved and respected by blank, if I have this kind of pleasure experience, Uh, Or a particular quality of life. If I am able to get mastery over my life in the area of blank. If people are dependent on me and need me. If someone is there to protect me and keep me safe. If I am completely free from obligations or responsibilities to take care of someone. If I am highly productive and getting a lot done. If I am being recognized for my accomplishments and I am excelling in my work. If I have a certain level of wealth, financial freedom, and a very in very nice possessions, if I am adhering to my religion's moral codes and, and accomplished in its activities, if blank person is in my life and happy with me, if I feel totally independent of organized religion and am living by a self made morality, if my race and culture is ascendant and recognized as superior, if a particular social group lets me in. If my children or my parents are happy with me. If Mr. or Ms. Wright is in love with me. If I am hurting or in a problem, only then do I feel worthy of love or able to deal with my guilt. If my political or social cause is making progress and ascending an in influence or power. And if I have a particular kind of look or body Did you hear yourself in any of those statements? I know I did. I am sure everyone here listening heard themselves in one of those statements. So here's the thing. The problem isn't that you're tempted by these things. That's not the problem. The problem is if you're putting your hope in them to save you, to make you whole, to give you meaning and purpose. Ask yourself, what is the need you are trying to fulfill in your life by taking on these idols? Who is sitting on the throne of our hearts? If we want to grow together in Christ, as Pastor Scott so passionately preached last week, if we want to hold that vision together, then we need to collectively put King Jesus back on the throne of our hearts and and serve him as the one true king. In times of temptation, in times I pray that even this week, the Spirit of God would be upon you to recognize these idols in your lives. And in that moment, I pray He give you these words. Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Let those words of power, the name of Jesus, work mightily on your behalf to identify and throw down these idols in our lives. John Tyson, author of Beautiful Resistance, I quote him here saying this. It is only when worshiping believers resist all idolatry that they can truly be an alternative community of hope, anointed by God to bring renewal to the world at large. Through Jesus' name, we we can resist this idolatry, Resist all these things and step into being a community that is providing alternative hope because our hope has a home. A powerful way we can resist our idolatry and return our hope to its rightful home in Jesus is by raising up true worship. Raising up true worship, and that worship comes from our hearts. It's time to just give Caesar what is Caesar's, and to give God what is God's. Give the world back what the world has has provided you, let it go, release it, and give God your hearts, because it is true and it is right to give him your hearts. Your hearts are created, as Psalm 139 says, by God, knew you intimately, And it's time for us to give our hearts with shouts of praise to King Jesus. Literally, shouts of praise to King Jesus. It's like the seven days that Israel marched around Jericho. Every day, at the end of that march, they were were shouting praises to God. And Jericho's they, they thought they were fools. Until the seventh day came. And they had this prolonged shout. And the walls fell. People all over our city are shouting. Supporting digital cults like QAnon. Supporting movements like BLM with strong conviction. Shouting and opposing Donald Trump or Joe Biden with hatred and violence. Supporting the, the with, with shouts the Seahawks and the Sounders with substance-filled passion. Why are we res- reserving our shouts For movements and rage and frivolity. As Christians, let us raise our boldest shouts for the joy of the Lord. Sylvia Gunter says in praise portions, God's people were often commanded to shout praises to God, particularly in battle. Shouting is a victorious, offensive weapon. Not just what you do when the battle is won. So it's like on the day of the triumphal entry. When, when Jesus rode into Israel on a, on a humble colt, people laid down their, col- their, their coats and, and palms uh, on the road, all the while shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These people were risking their lives because this was a sacred procession reserved only for Caesar alone when he returned victorious from a battle. Yet, And see this here, this story actually culminates our entire sermon. Yet they recognized who Jesus was. They laid down their idols, Caesar, and raised up their worship a shout of joy to declare, Jesus is king. So as our worship band comes back up, I want us to follow this biblical precedent With shouts of praises to God, raising up true worship and throwing down our idols. So wherever you are, again, if you're at home or wherever you're watching this, I encourage you, stand up. It's okay if people think you're weird or acting foolish. Let us be fools for Christ, right? So stand with me. And uh, the the call and response is actually going to be on your screen. You're going to read in the bold lines, and I'll read the first line. So literally, shout. If your kids want to jump up and down and be silly, let them. This is for the Lord. So let's say it together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Know that the Lord is God. Lord is God. Shout aloud to God our strength, the God of Jacob. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amidst the sounding trumpets. Shout to Him with cries of joy. He is awesome, Lord, most high. Shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. He is the Lord our maker, the great King above all gods. Shout for joy before the Lord, the great King over all the earth. He is king of king. Shout with joy to him, all the earth. Lord holy name. Shout, for the Lord has given us the city, victory, victory in, in king, king Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Let's continue in worship.